This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at harringtoninteractive.com. In this episode, Lyle Williams shares his talk called The Storms of Our Life, recorded on April 18th, 2019. It's great to be here this morning. I usually sit down here at the sacred table on the left, uh, and it's much more fun to be sitting there than it is to be standing here. Uh, But I got a note from Wes uh, a few moments ago, and he says, praying for you and the brothers this morning, and then he gives this quote, and when you stand before kings, do not worry about what you will say, The Holy Spirit will put words in your mouth. Much love, Wes. And I want to say, oh, thanks a lot, Wes. (laughs) I thought I was speaking to just some ordinary guys like me, and now you're telling me I'm standing before kings. So put your crowns away. That'll help me relax a little bit, and and we'll get get on with this. Um, About three weeks ago, a young pastor friend over in Nolansville uh, sent me a text, and he asked me if I would come and speak at... They were doing an Easter thing. It's the Southern Baptist Church, and not knocking the Southern Baptists, but they're probably not known for doing things during Lenten season and, and all of that. But he was trying something new for this little church. So he asked me to come, and he said, you can, you can speak on any of the teachings of Jesus. And I thought, thanks, brother, for narrowing that down for me. Because what? There's only 100 or so more teachings of Jesus in the scriptures. And so <clears throat> I was there last night. This is my message that I shared last night, and it's my message I'm going to share this morning, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit for this particular group. So um, I'm excited to to do that, and uh, Andy, if we could take up a donation. Where's Andy? Where'd he go? Take up a donation and get a music stand. That would be great for those of us that need notes to speak. So um, I'll I'll make a donation afterwards, Andy, and we can start getting that music rack for us. As I thought about what I was going to do last night and prayed about it, I felt like the Lord was leading me to a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and 41. It's the story of Jesus in the boat with his disciples uh, and when the storm hits. And we're all familiar with that story. Um, But before we get there, I have a question I want to ask you. Uh, Is anyone in this room besides me afraid of storms? Come on. All right. There's one or two honest people. <clears throat> I, I don't like storms. In fact, I, it's not that I dislike storms. It's I hate storms. I hate storms. And I always wonder why do the storms seem to always come at night and not in the daytime? Because I want to see what's going on. I want to see what's happening. So I asked the smartest guy in the room this morning why they come at night and not in the daytime. And Neil gave me a one-word answer. What was it? God is sovereign. (laughs) That's two words. Heat. He said heat. Heat during the day, you know. 
<clears throat> I asked this question last night at this service, and the pastor's son, who was about seven years old, was sitting on the front row. And I asked that same question. And all of a sudden, he put his arm, hand up like this, and I said, what's the answer? And he said, well, I think it gets cold at night. And then you tell me it's heat. And I said to him, you know what? I have no clue whether that's the right answer, but I'm going with that one, okay? Thanks for sharing that. So here are these storms that come along, and I have to tell you, um, boldly confess that I hate storms. Um, and it's interesting that they come at night, uh, and in this passage of Scripture, it says that when it became dark, when it was at night, the storms came for the disciples and for Jesus. Now, we have some great weather people in, in Nashville area. I always wonder, though, because maybe they're right 50% of the time, and yet they never get fired. They never, if you were right only 50% of the time in your job, you probably would get fired. But they never get fired. They're on the next day, and they tell us when a storm is coming, and that's good. They show it on the screen, and they say, all right, you've got seven minutes to get to your safe place. Now, Linda and I live in a condo, a three-story condo building. We live on the ground floor. Our safe place is uh, a clo our closet. It's big enough for us to get in there, and there aren't any doors around us, there aren't any windows that are going to break and hurt us, but I can't see anything. I want to see what's going on. I want to see when the roof flies off of my neighbor's house or a tree falls on the condo building, you know, but I can't because I'm back there in that closet. I think the reason I'm afraid of storms and I want to see is because of what happened in my childhood. I was born and raised in a little town in Indiana called Huntington, Indiana. It's about 90 miles north of Indianapolis. My sister and I had an aunt and uncle that didn't have any children, and so they kind of became our second parents. They lived on an 80-acre farm about four miles outside of town, and so we spent a lot of our growing up years on that farm. Now, I don't know what my sister did when she went there because she's seven and a half years older than me. She is really old. And I keep reminding her of that every time I talk to her. I don't know what she did, but I know what I did when I was out with my Uncle Charlie on the farm. When I was five years old, he taught me how to drive his tractor. At that time, he had a big old John Deere tractor that set way up off the ground. When I started driving, he traded that in and got a Ford tractor that had just come out, and they set really low to the ground. He figured if I was going to fall off, I should fall off the Ford tractor instead of the John Deere. Five years old. When I was seven, he taught me how to drive his truck. And I had a great time driving his truck, especially when we went someplace together and he let me sit on his lap and I at least steered the truck. And my aunt just had conniptions every time she heard that. So I had a great time growing up on my uncle's farm. But I remember I was probably somewhere between seven and six, eight years old. And I can remember being out there and playing or helping him do something. And over this way, the clouds began to get really, really dark. And behind me, the sun was shining. And the sun shining on those clouds made the electrical wires just glow. They looked like silver. They were just alive with light. And I knew a storm was coming. Whenever I saw those wires glowing, I knew we were going to have a storm. And so I would call my mom and dad and say, hey, it's time for me to come home. Can you pick me up? Because the best place I wanted to be when there was a storm was at home. But I was afraid because I was afraid of those storms. And uh, living, wasn't afraid of living through it. I didn't know if I'd live through it. But uh, I can empathize with the disciples because apparently they were afraid of the storm as well. 
In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. I love that passage because I think we begin to see the human side of Jesus. Here is Jesus. He's been teaching. He's been pouring out his life. Uh, he had to get in the boat because there were so many people. And, and he's been teaching and pouring out his life. And simply, he's getting tired. It's an interesting verse back a few verses in that same chapter, verses 33 and 34. It tells us that in his public ministry, Jesus never taught without using parables. And then after he taught the parable, he sat down with his disciples, it says, and, and shared with them everything that he had taught and what it meant. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that have been a wonderful experience to sit down with Jesus and hear him teach and then explain to you and all the disciples what he really meant? The scripture goes on to say, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, I, I talked to a pastor friend of mine the other day who happens to live in Santa Barbara. And uh, so I know this is, must be right. Uh, and I told him what I was going to be doing, what I was going to be speaking on. And he said, you know, there's some theologians that believe that that storm that happened was produced by the demonic. I said, hmm, don't think I've ever heard that idea. He said, because if you read the next verses, the next parable is when Jesus encounters the man with demons. And he eventually casts out those demons. There's a legion of demons. And, you know, they, he sends them into a, a herd of hogs and they go over the cliff and drown 2,000 of them. And so the theory apparently is that because the demons knew that was going to happen, they produced this storm. Now, don't base your salvation on that, okay? But uh, it's an interesting thought, an interesting theory. First time I'd heard it, and so I share it with you just to kind of mull over. But have you ever been in a storm when you're out on the lake? Any fishermen here? Any guys that fish? Ever been in a storm when you're out on the lake? Not much fun, is it? Not much fun at all. In fact, um, I was in a storm when I was a sophomore in college. I sang on a, a quartet from our school, and we traveled in the mid-states and sang every weekend and preached. And then in the summertime, we traveled all summer long and went to youth camps and, and met with the kids and talked to the kids. And this particular time, we were in Cadillac, Michigan. We were on the lake. And a couple guys had bought their speed boats with them. And while the kids were in class that morning, we decided that we would go out skiing. Now, everybody knew how to ski except one guy. You're looking at him. I'd never been on skis in my life. And so, oh, we'll teach you how to ski. And so they took me out in the middle of the lake, jumped in the water, had to wrestle to get my skis on. And then we spent the next probably 45 minutes to an hour trying to get me up on skis. I bet we tried 15 to 20 times. I was waterlogged by then. I wasn't going to get up on skis at that point. So we, we went back into shore. The next day, while the kids were in class, we went back. And the guy says, hey, why don't you try taking off from the shore? I'm thinking, I can't even take off in the water now. You want me to take off on the shore? And my, one of my quartet buddies says, yeah, I'll ski with you. I'm thinking, oh, this is great. Now we're going to ski double taking off on the shore. But we did. He fired up the boat, and we were ready. And man, we got right up on our skis. 
there was a wooded area right behind that lake. And as soon as we got up on our skis, a storm came across and it started to hail. Now, the driver of the boat, he was fine because he got down all the way like this, just so he could see a little bit where he was taking the boat. But my friend and I had no place to go, and it felt like he went miles out into that lake before he decided to bring us back and ski onto the shore, which eventually we did. Our bodies were just covered with red welts from those hailstorms. I don't recommend that you are teaching your children or grandchildren to ski in a hailstorm. It's just not very much fun. Well, the, the scripture tells us that there was a storm, that Jesus was tired, he was sleeping on a, in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? When I read that, I'm thinking, how many times have we asked that same question of the Lord? When we're facing some difficulty, something going on in our life, and we pray about it, and we believe God's going to work in some way like we want him to work, and it doesn't happen, and basically we say, okay, God, I prayed for this. I asked you to help me in this, and it's not working. What's wrong with this? What are you doing? The scripture says in verse 39, he got up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but I think... He might have been thinking, you knuckleheads, I'm tired, I'm sleeping, and you want me to get up. Some of you guys are fishermen. You've been out in boats lots of times when there's storms, and yet you're asking me to <clears throat> get up <clears throat> and save all of you. He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? They've been walking with Jesus now for a long time. They've been watching all that he does. And yet he says to them, why are you so afraid? And as I read that over and over again, I started thinking about this passage and asking myself, was Jesus ever afraid? If we believe that Jesus was divine, and we do, and we believe that he was also human man, and we do, then as a human being, as a man who the scripture says in Hebrews, experienced everything that we experienced, every temptation that we have had, yet he did not sin, it seems reasonable to me to think that, yes, at some point in time in his humanness, Jesus experienced fear. I think one of the best examples, and we're going to get there in a little bit, is perhaps the time he spent in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll get there in just a few minutes. But these disciples were terrified. And when Jesus got up and he calmed the storm, their next response was, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you guys? What do you mean, who is this man? You've walked with him. You've heard him teach. He's explained the parables to you. He's healed the blind man. He, he, the, the woman that touched the hem of his garments. On and on and on. He turned water into wine. Some of you really like that verse, don't you? <laughs> he did all of those things. And the disciples were there watching him. And yet they say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? But you know what? 
there are other kinds of storms in our lives than just the weather. The weather is, comes and goes. It'll be bad, it'll be good. It's gonna be warm today, but we're probably gonna have some storms. But there are other storms that we face in our lives. There's health storms. Some of you know what that's all about. Maybe you have a spouse that's going through that. I have a spouse that's going through a health storm. There's marriage storms. We struggle in our marriages. There's no perfect marriage here because there's no perfect people here. So there's a storm of that from time to time. There's financial storms, there's job storms. How do we handle the storms of life? Does Jesus want, us, want the storms of life to overwhelm us? Does he want them to destroy us? I believe the answer to that is a powerful no. He wants us to be victorious over whatever those storm, storms are in our life. One of my favorite passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 10 and Paul's talking about this and talking about the spiritual side of our lives as well. And he says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. When my kids were little, we bought them a Bozo the Clown. I should have tried to find a Bozo the Clown this morning. It has made a great uh, illustration here. But he stood about this tall, sand in the bottom so that he would stand up, a bright red nose, and every time you punched that nose, it would squeal. And the kids would go out and hit Bozo, and he'd fall over, and he'd come back again. And they'd hit him again, and he'd come back again. And once in a while, as I was going from my house to the office, I would just take some time and punch that guy over and over again, you know, just to get rid of some aggression and then go over in my office and study for a sermon for the next Sunday. It was great. It was great. In fact, if I had thought about it, I'd have written some names of some really contrary people in the congregation. Just write their names on there and then just punch that a couple of times. But I didn't think about that then. I guess I was too young for that. Um, well, every time I read that passage, I think I want to call it bounce back ability. That's what, Jesus, that's what Paul was saying here. When you're down, you get up again. When you get knocked down, you get up again. When you go through a struggle, you get up again. Because that's what God wants to do for us in our lives. Everybody likes a comeback story. We're going to celebrate Sunday, the greatest comeback story in the world. Jesus came back. Okay, it's time for truth now. How many of you skipped church Sunday and watched the Masters Golf Tournament? Nobody? How many of you taped it? Okay, all right. There's some honest people out there. So you could watch and see, is Tiger really going to win the Masters? Now, whether you like golf or not, obviously, things that happened to Tiger in the last 11 years, most of that was his doing, his moral failures, four back surgeries. And whether you like him or not, I'm telling you, he's one of the greatest golfers of all time. And it was a comeback story. A friend of mine said to me last night, he said, you know, when Tiger was out of golf for 11 years, golf was really boring to watch on TV. There was nobody there that was exciting the crowds. But the crowds were excited on Sunday because there was a comeback story. I like Jesus' comeback story better than Tiger Woods. But everybody likes a comeback story. And all of us face storms in our life. Now, Wes isn't here, but in some ways he is because he said to me, 
Lyle, why don't you have the guys around the table talk about something besides just the weather and sports and jobs? So we're going to do that for a few minutes this morning. And you can blame Wes. This was his idea. And, you know, I got I to honor Wes and do what he tells me to do. All of us in this room have had storms in our life. And maybe we're face, facing storms right now. And so we're going to take a few minutes around your table, and I don't think we'll have time for everybody to share their stormy story. <laughs> but maybe one or two people. And I want you, as you share it, to talk about how did that storm affect your faith? Did it make your faith stronger? Did it make your faith say, why am I even doing this? Why am I even a Christian? God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayer? So we're going to take about five or seven minutes. Uh, I brought a great friend of mine, Jeff Nelson, with me this morning, and he's going to play a little background music, and in a few moments we're going to sing together. And, uh, but take, turn around, take your time, take longer at this table, because we've got a lot of guys over here. So, so choose one that's got the worst storm, okay? And, and tell, just share how you did, what's going on in your life. It may be something right now that's happening, or something that you've lived through, and you can share that story. So get in your little groups. And our favorite thing to do, talk, all right? And I'll call you back together in just a few minutes. Okay, guys, if I could get your attention back up here. I know how unfair this is because you're just, you're just getting rolling. So if you don't have to go to work right away, continue talking when we're done here. We'll try to get you out here by 8 o'clock. Today is Monday, Thursday. Tomorrow is Good Friday. I don't think they thought it was good back then, but we call it Good Friday. My Lutheran, Lutheran pastor friend said, I said, what do you do for Saturday? And he said, well, we call it Dark Saturday because we didn't know, nobody knew what was gonna happen. And then there's Easter and we know what happened. We need to remember as we've been talking about storms, we need to remember the storms that Jesus faced in his life, especially the storm that he faced in the garden. Mark chapter 14, verses 34 and 36, he's saying to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. There's an old, old hymn that was written in 1853. And Jeff is playing it now, and I want to read the words of that hymn to us. Go to dark Gethsemane, ye that feel the tempter's power. Your Redeemer's conflict see, watch with him one bitter hour. Turn not from his grief away. Learn from Jesus Christ to pray. Follow to the judgment hall. View the Lord of life arraigned. Oh, the wormwood and the gall. Oh, the pangs his soul sustained. Shun not suffering, shame or loss. Learn from him to bear the cross. Calvary's mournful mountain climb, there adoring at his feet. Mark the miracle of time, God's own sacrifice complete. It is finished. Hear him cry, learn from Jesus Christ to die. 
because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the suffering and the pain that he went through. It is finished. He accomplished what the Father sent him on earth to do, to provide a way that our sins could be forgiven and we could be set free and walk with him on this earth and right into eternity. I don't know how many different denominations are represented here in this group, but we all had our songs that we grew up on in church, if you were a church person back then. And not every song that I know was in some of your hymnals, and you sang some songs that weren't in our hymnal. But one of the songs that I grew up on and sang over and over again, and as I got to the point of leading worship, uh, we always sang this song. It's entitled, He Lives. How many of you know that song? Okay, great. I was afraid some wouldn't. You got the words on your table there to He Lives. And we're going to sing this song together. And um, as we think about not only today, but as we think about Easter Sunday, Tony Campolo wrote a sermon many years ago called It's Friday, but, he, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. What a great, great opportunity we have. But let's sing together. You've got the words there. And um, I'm going to lead you in this. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christian. And we're going to just, is it okay, Andy, if we lift the roof off of this place for a minute? God will put it back down when we're done, okay? I want you with gusto to sing this last verse and chorus with me. Here we go. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. 
None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, as Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to the grace of our living Lord and Savior go with you. Have a great Easter celebration. He is alive. Let's rejoice in that. Thanks, guys. Lord bless you today. You've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. That's harringtoninteractive.com. 